Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. Uh, it is Friday, October. Oh, goodness. <laughs> August 6th. Um, Friday, August 6th. 8 18 a.m. Yes, it is early. But it's good. It's good morning. Really nice day out. Um,. I'm like, to get out of the bed early so I don't lay in there all day reading stuff, being a nerd. <laughs> no. uh, but it's good to walk some more, um, more consistently in the morning and stuff like that. You know, enjoy the sunshine and, and, and warmth while it's good, while it's like this. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> That's probably going to be the theme of today. Um, I was thinking of like what I wanted to talk about today. And I was like, I, I just want to riff it. I mean, I, I always do riff it, but I don't know. Sometimes I try to have like a specific topic. <laughs> and today I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to, whatever, whatever comes out, that's, that's going to be what it's about. <laughs> so um, yesterday I did a, last night actually I did a, a podcast um, interview with these folks called Sass Gaming. S-A-S-S Gaming. Um, it was really, really great interview podcast. My first, um, I think, yeah, that was probably my first interview podcasting Majigger. So that was really cool. It's going to be coming out on their channel on next Friday. So uh, be on the lookout for that. It was a really cool conversation. Talked about um, virtual reality and the, the metaverse. What it can be versus what it is today. And, you know, going into... A, bunch of interesting little, little topics there um uh, it was just it was just really cool i like their setup and everything like that they have a a good you know kind of um little group i guess you'd call it a squad <laughs> four people on their team and uh it was just really interesting you know i didn't know what to expect but it was it was cool so <laughs> that's all i'll say there I'll let you, I'll let you know again when it when it comes out. But um, yeah, it was nice to do that uh, yesterday. Besides that, been um, a little frustrated at work yesterday as well earlier in the day, cause like finally got this storyboard situated for one of the oh, excuse me for one of our newest simulations, and then turns out. You know, the client thought a number of items were, were, you know, not clear or off-center or, like, just... They didn't understand <laughs> what was going on. Um, and it's not the part... It's not that they thought it was, you know, unclear or whatever that I'm frustrated about. Because that's understandable. Like, that's my job is to make that better. The part that was frustrating is because I sent this, you know, multiple times, you know, <laughs> the last, like, two weeks or so. I was like, you know, what's your feedback on this so I can, you know, improve it? Because I can't really clarify things if I don't know, you know, what, what your actual expectations are, things like that. But I haven't really been getting much back, you know. So I've just been building on this 
you know, direction in this and what I was doing here for about a week or two. Um, only for today, for us to finally have a face-to-face over video, you know. And they're like, oh, I don't get this part, or we don't like this, and this, that, and the other. I'm just like, where, where was all this feedback before, you know? <laughs> so that was a bit frustrating. But, um, get back to it. I'll, you know, fix it up and move on. And, um, as always, it's a good good learning tool to figure out, you know, a better way to Oh gosh, just walked into a web. Oh, oh. Golly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a good learning tool to um, kind of discuss or figure out a better way to create these storyboards, you know, because it is difficult to try and write out, you know, a, a, a scene that you're going to have in virtual reality or interaction that you're going to have in virtual reality, especially if you not like me <laughs> not to do my own horn or anything like that but i'm just even though i realize i don't necessarily have a visual imagination it to me it seems very vivid like i can when i write something out i can see you know what i'm talking about <laughs> you know um like i can you know by memory kind of lay out a spatial map and see everything how how it's going to I was going to look, quote unquote. I guess it may not be visual. I would like to do that test. I think I mentioned that a couple times um, a while back. They have a, they figured out a a way to test if you have aphantasia, um, you know, which is the, the, I guess, condition? I don't know. Aphantasia, if if you recall, is where you don't have visual imagery. So when someone says, you know, picture an apple, you can't actually picture an apple. Um, you know what it is, of course, and um, but you don't actually picture that apple, or it's not very vivid. And for me, it's I could probably I can picture an apple, but it's not very vivid. It's kind of faint, and holographic, in a way. Um, went off track with that, but <laughs> my point here is, even though I may not have a a visual imagination. To me, it seems very vivid and detailed, right? Like, I can write out a scene, and then I would be able to picture how that scene is working um, using this language of picture. But again, <laughs> trying to get across that I can, I, can, I can put details in a scene and then understand how it's going to come together, right, in a 3D space. But I realized recently, especially, that <laughs> no matter how well I describe these scenes, right, certain people just cannot grasp it just cannot you know wrap their minds around all these details and see how this is going to look so and that maybe what's interesting that is it's more it's not just these clients right it's even you know our developers or our you know artists you know like i would be super detailed and they would you know, look through the script and be like, okay, yes, I understand what you what you want here. But then they <laughs> create it, and it's very different from what I want. So what I've been learning is that, you know, no matter how descriptive you are in a storyboard, you have to have a, a visual, you know, part to it as well. So that uh, people can, can um, wrap their minds around that more. And uh, that may, may seem obvious, but <laughs> something I've had to 
you know, come to grips with uh, recently. But besides all that, um, I really like this. I really feel fortunate about this, the fact that I can have this sort of job, you know? <laughs> can visualize, create storyboards around, and, um, excuse me, design entire, you know, virtual universes, metaverses. Simulation, not metaverses, goodness. Let me stop. <laughs> create these simulations, you know? I think that's that's uh, super awesome, and I want to do more with that. So, I want to try and move forward with my ideas around um, metaverse interoperability. See if I get more of these out there, more of these storyboards for these interoperable, you know, worlds out there and stuff like that, and see where that goes. I know I'm all over the place. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Some other things that's been on my mind, though. Um, been thinking about about um, you know intelligence once again. Been thinking about how to how to visualize a better future. Been thinking about our future for this decades, these coming decades, and in this century. And figuring out, like, once again, you know, how, how can we survive? <laughs> All right. Because on, on a downer note, we often hear more and more news about, you know, these disasters happening, um, these floods and stuff like that here here in the U.S., massive heat, heat waves in Europe and stuff like that. And what's very interesting, um, in a kind of dark dark kind of reflection reflective way is that and a lot of the stories about climate change like you know the ministry of the future for instance I had, still haven't finished that book I started it but for some for some reason it's been difficult for me to really read books which is crazy because I used to read all the time um, <laughs> but nowadays there's just so many other things I want to do feels like reading a book through and through is more and more difficult even though I read a lot of web fiction or not that much these days so I don't know but anyways um, <laughs> and the Ministry of the Future starts off with you know places like a place in India I believe it was that went through this massive heat stroke and stuff like that and I was and something about that felt kind of a little a little off to me because it feels like these sorts of books or these sorts of stories you know, often relate to, um, often relay these sorts of disasters happening over there, right? Um, rather than in the in the westernized nations. And maybe he goes into that later in the book, right? But that was one of the things that that made it a little bit hard for me to continue reading, because. I feel like one of the biggest problems with, you know, things like climate change is that it has already been hitting, you know, these quote-unquote develop, developing nations, right? It has already been hitting these non-westernized nations or, or what you might call the global south, you know, for decades now, <laughs> right? And so what people really need today is to see that it will hit us, right, in the west. And... 
what we've been seeing with these with these current disasters is here it is right it's it's hitting us in the west um and i really i really hope that people take this and 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 see that hold up one second sorry i had to get past that garbage truck very loud um but yeah i hope people see that and and really think about you know how important it is to to, to do th something about this stuff right like but like here especially here in america right and it's probably consistent with many much of the much of europe as well but definitely in america a lot of people feel seem to think that you know climate change is not that serious or you know we have kind of different views on it like certain type of person thinks climate change is still not real <laughs> or it's not that serious or whatever right or some talking point for the political left and this that and the other um while others re realize how real it is but think we can just you know put little reforms up like <laughs> a green new deal or something like that and that will fix the problem just vote your way out um while still others think that okay it's real, it's serious, and the reform's not going to help it, and nothing will, you know, so just, it's like, well, they feel completely helpless, and I think all of these, you know, ideologies, all of these thoughts, all of these, you know, perspectives are wrong and, and, and harmful to the situation at hand, right? And I know you can, of course, it's not like saying, oh, can't have an opinion or whatever it's simply it's simply pointing out that it's not really helpful to yourself or to where we are today you know to have this defeatist or this um or this kind of ignorance you know standpoint right there's more than enough data out there today to show how real the situation is and it's really unfortunate that we, we we're getting more and more disasters happening right here in the west um as a result of of non-action and it's really unfortunate that a lot of people feel completely helpless all right and i say this as a person that still kind of feels helpless even though i don't feel helpless it's a, it's a weird you know um paradox conundrum but I say all this to say that, like, I think, there, I think there needs to be some sort of cultural moment or, you know, paradigm shift or whatever, where more and more people realize that we have to do something, point, period, blank. And that something needs to be drastic, right, quite frankly. But it's also worrying, of course, because... People can easily turn into something like fascism where, you know, some, you know, magnanimous looking person, some um, cult of personality type of person will say, oh, let's do this. And then it turns out to be like genocidal or eco-fascistic or some some other crazy, you know, um, thing that doesn't actually solve anything, but makes people feel like they're solving something. <laughs> and that's that's very, very worrying. But nonetheless, it still is important 
to realize that, you know, we need some serious, serious change, right? Like this, I think I spoke on the video I I was watching last week, talking about AI and how um, it can really change this century. Um, and my one of my comments on there, I'm not sure if I mentioned this part, but one of my the comment I made just on my own, not you know responding to somebody else, was talking about how we can if we focus too much on on growth, on how AI can make things more productive and and uh, you know more profitable or this that and the other, that can very easily lead us down the the wrong path right because even today you see AI being used to just extract more money (laughs) to be to cause more consumerism to optimize you know these algorithms and ads and so on and so forth to make people feel more helpless or just you know more consumptive we are creating AI today that is not really helping us change the world for the better and a great example of this I brought this up as well um, in in the last couple weeks was was Google's uh, Lambda project right everybody at that at that time was talking about oh is it sentient is it not that doesn't really matter to be to be honest with you I really don't think it is but even if it is even if it even in the very very low likelihood that it is right you have to realize that google owns it and they're building it with the data and the men and the intent to use it as a tool for people to to um just talk with right and that seem and they may seem like a a um good thing like a benign thing Right, just oh yeah, Google's creating a cool little chatbot. You know, it's gonna feel human. But you have to realize that Google's a company that is trying to maximize their revenue. So why do you think they want this chatbot for you to talk to? Right? <laughs> it's for you to buy a product in which you will pay them, and which you will pay them, and which you will, you know, will will like so much that you will do anything you anything you can to to pay for it right whether it's directly or through ads and just imagine that right a an ai tool a little chat buddy where you're just talking about all your favorite things and then it's it's sending data in the background to say oh you know google you know this is what they like (laughs) so google can see you know oh you like this you like that and they can serve those ads more directly they can even you know just put in little little um tidbits and saying you know to optimize the 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 ai's algorithm to say okay when when they bring up this product you know recommend them to buy this (laughs) right like just imagine that you're just talking to a little chat buddy it feels like a real person you're like oh yeah you know i'm going on the on a picnic next week and all this other stuff and the thing is like oh yeah make sure you know i I heard you know this bologna this 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 brand of product is really good you know you might want to enjoy this blah 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 right like it it can be just 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 fluidly just just interspersed into your conversation and you won't even think about it you won't even think about it you know that's just one of the very scary use cases for something like this right is the fact that they have they will have the power 
to just make consumption and advertisements and things like that just a part of life. And you won't even think about it. So they just be profiting off of you, off of your data, while at the same time, you know, just kind of nudging you towards buying things and towards consuming things and towards, you know, um, having these quote-unquote conversations that are really <laughs> just you talking to yourself in a funhouse mirror that will distort your own conversations into a consumerist you know, attention whoring, you know, kind of mechanism. That's what's really scary about these sorts of things. And Google, of course, is not the only one, you know, right? But I think Google is the scariest because they they have this filter, they have this, you know, outward look of like, oh yeah, they're just trying to push forth technology and and stuff like that. But their business is just ads, <laughs> and so everything they do is pushing is nudging people towards being more consumptive and nudging um that sort of data privacy you know uh erosion all right and if that that word data privacy doesn't really mean anything to you again think about it as as if whenever i think about privacy i imagine it as if it's in real life right like the reason privacy and, and data kind of gathering is so so like dangerous and so icky is that if this if this was in real life you would be absolutely you know disgusted right like think about it like this like you go to the store and somebody is following you just watching everything you do everything you pick up everything you look at for just a couple seconds every time you stop and then continue they're just looking at you right and then eventually they get to a point where they're like, oh, you know, just, just, they just walk by you and just, oh, look at that. You know, hey, check that out. <laughs> and sometimes they don't even whisper it. Sometimes it's just, hey, watch this. Hey, you, you want this, right? I saw you stopped here. You want this, right? <laughs> right? So that's what these algorithms are doing. Every time you search for something on YouTube or go into a website page or, you know, and you see all these ads, that's what's happening. Right? It's not just some, oh, they just want to serve you the, the best you want. They just, they, don't, they just want to give you what's best. No, like, they have, that person that's following you and is nudging you to buy things. It's not just based on what you look, look at either. It's based on what they know to be profitable. It's based on who paid them the most money to say, hey, you know, we want, we want people to buy this. And so now when they're looking at you and they're nudging you, they're going to say, hey, put the, buy this one, buy this one. It's the best that you that you'll ever get, even though there may not it may not actually you know be something that you actually want. It may not be healthy or it may not be you know the most accurate information or whatever, right? But somebody paid them to say yes, this is the best. Yes, this is the most accurate. Yes, this is the whatever. This is what you're looking for, even though it's not. <laughs> All right, that's how the adver advertisement industry works. And yes, there's regulations against you know false advertising or something, but we all know you can you can get through a lot. You can get through a lot of that, a lot of BS, by just manipulating things and and um, being. Uh, I was gonna say nuance, but really it's not even nuance. It's just not getting caught, or you know, <laughs> or saying that oh we're just talking about the brand or the ideology, right? They can they can promise you an experience without having to say you know 
oh, this is the, the actual product, right? They can get away with saying, oh, yeah, this is the best you'll ever experience by hiding it behind, like, a story, right? Where you see a family li living a life that you think you want to live. And so now you, <laughs> you think that, that that's what you should desire, so they've they're still false advertising because th this is not you know what this product is going to do but it doesn't look like false advertising right they're not explicitly saying like this is what's going to happen right they're just painting a story for you right and that's what that's another thing that <laughs> that's why ah goodness that's another reason why i think it's so important to think about things like free will and um and realizing that we don't necessarily have a free will right because every choice that we make every decision is based upon what we see right what we learn what we think and all of that is influenced by other people right by other people's interests and and desires and plans and agendas or whatever you want to call it right by your childhood by your culture by all these things that are basically molding you know your own field of desires and and um options and so on and so forth so if we think that oh yeah it's just it, it was my decision to buy this product or it's my decision to do this or it's my decision to work here right we think it was all up to us like <laughs> but in reality there is a whole bunch of variables there are a whole bunch of influence points a whole bunch of things that have manipulated you or influenced you or prodded you nudged you you know pushed you in different ways towards that decision so how much of it was actually yours we don't know we do not know i would hazard a guess to say very little <laughs> or to say you know it's it's kind of inconsequential right like maybe we do have some sort of choice there but it's in, inevitable it's, it's ultimately inconsequential because though the options that we can even choose are not up to us the options that you have before you are completely out of your control or mostly out of your control 90% out of your control whatever right and so that's why i think it's so important to delve more into this topic of free will and to delve more into these ideas of, you know, how intelligence works and delve all into, you know, all these other things to really figure out, okay, how much of this is actually, you know, something we can control and what, what are the mechanisms of that control, right? What are the actual variables involved? Because if you think that you know what you're doing, and you think you can control your life. But really, you're just using variables that other people put there for you to use. Or you're using variables that's only available because of the society that you live in. Then your, your, your theater of control is far, far less than what you think you have. And that's extremely dangerous. That's extremely concerning. Because that means that you have defined your freedom not based on, you know, what could be freedom what could be the ultimate kind of freedom whatever that is but based on what you have been told freedom is so people can create a map for you they can create a prison for you essentially and say okay this is freedom and you'll believe them 
because you were born there, because your parents were there, because you can, you know, gain some some amount of of comfort and convenience in that little prison. And you'll say, "Oh yeah, it feels good. It looks good. Therefore, I'm I'm good. I'm free." But if in reality, right, you're not. <laughs> if in reality, there's so much more beyond that prison. Then what now? How do we get there? How do we get out? So this is why I'm constantly kind of coming back to these sorts of things because I'm just like, there's so much about our society today, so much about our lives that so many of us think is in our control or or so much that we feel helpless about. But just saying, just sitting back and saying, oh, that's it, you know, that's, what we're, that's where we are. It doesn't help us move forward. It doesn't help us to figure out how to get out of there. How to get out and what what we can do. So when it comes to climate change or any of these big problems that are in fact beyond our individual scope, I think we need to bring more attention to possibilities that we usually do not humor, that we usually do not think about. Because regardless of how much choice we have regardless of what free will is or is not it is pretty i would probably say you know indubitably true <laughs> right that we have we are conscious right right that we have an an ability to become aware of things and that could be that's a very broad you know kind of general basic understanding but if we if we start there right on this firm ground not on the ground of whether or not we have free will that's not firm ground right that's that's very shaky we don't we shouldn't i don't think we should start on oh you know the west is the best that we've ever been or this country is the best or my identity is this or you know all these other things that we usually hold so dear to us it's shaky ground, right? It's, it's not a firm foundation. And so inevitably when something happens that doesn't line up with that, our entire being is shook. We're shooken, right? And we become kind of trapped in this fight of who we are and who we think we are, of, of where we think we are and where we think we should be, like this firm ground that we think we, we should be on. But then it's shaking and you don't understand why. And so you're, now you're trying to fight reality. <laughs> right? Because you want to believe that the West is the best ever. That your religion is, is, is you know, super important or is the best thing ever. You know, that your identity as a man or a woman is, you know, uh, unshakable. Or, or, you know, your political view is un- unassailable or whatever. Right? All these things are not firm ground. And so when they inevitably get shooken, when the environment changes and you have to adapt, if you do not move from that ground, if you do not move away from that, that, that unsolid ground, right, you will sink, you will fall. And it's not sure if you'll get back up because once again, you're going to be climbing, you're going to be trying to climb your way out of this sand, <laughs> So, 
I think it's very important to stand on this basic solid ground that we are conscious. And as conscious beings, we we can we have this awareness of what the world looks like. Is that awareness complete? No, definitely not. But we're we have some level of awareness. We can perceive into the world, right? Regardless of whether or not this world is, you know, the ultimate reality or whatever. Regardless of whether or not we see everything that there is to see, it's still true that we see things, that we perceive things. And therefore, I think that means in order for, in order for us to change, in order for us to make better decisions or to, you know, create identities that, you know, that is more solid, we have to build it on this foundation of consciousness and move from there start there by starting with the basics of consciousness of just being conscious then we can go out into the world and say okay um, what does it mean to be a conscious person in this setting for instance what does it mean to be a conscious person in 21st century America right that means perceiving what's happening perceiving the system for what it is not for what you want it to be. Not for what you wish it to be. Not for what you know you you thought it was. Not for what somebody else told you to be told it told you it was. But for what it is. And that means utilizing tools. Right. And yes, you can use other people. Or other resources or whatever, to become more conscious of what the system looks like. Let's take something more concrete. Right. We start on this solid ground of consciousness. And consciousness, once again, is just being aware of your environment. It's being able to say, I think, therefore I am. Right? The fact that you can think about things, imagine things, perceive things, and use those perceptions to build upon your own thinking, to build upon your own imagination. Right? All of that is, is what it means to be conscious. Again, very basic ideas here. And yes, you can probably get deeper into, you know, having a more definite, you know, kind of definitions. <laughs> uh, more detailed definitions. But I think this is something m most of us would agree, or maybe even all of us, right? That being cautious is just being able to think. <laughs> being able to look out into the world and say, okay, that's a tree, or that's a thing there, and I'm going to call it a tree, right? That's a thing there, I'm going to... You know, and you see how these things connect. You look into, out into the world and you ask questions. You say, okay, how does that work? You know? By asking questions, I would posit that you can become more conscious, more aware. By seeing how that, connect, how that tree connects to the ground, right? And what goes on to make that tree grow or how that tree changes over time. The concept of time itself, right? By thinking about these things and creating a, a model of how we think the world works, how we think this environment is, is, is existing, then we can become more aware of our environment around us, right? And maybe we might even one day find a, a connection between intelligence and consciousness. Because intelligence might very well be how aware we are of our environment and how aware we are of 
how to change the environment or how to maneuver around the environment or maybe not maybe it goes the other way <laughs> um in which case i don't know that'll be very interesting but either way it still doesn't change the fact that we are aware we have we can perceive the environment and we can build stories about how the environment works right so once again yeah <laughs> being concrete here if you're in this spot you're you're standing on you know something you can ask yourself, okay, what am I standing on? Standing on, you know, a sidewalk right now, personally. You might be standing in your house or sitting down or whatever. Right? You can probably agree with me that if you were never to question what you were standing on, then you wouldn't really be conscious of what that is. Right? And that's even hard. That might be hard to imagine because the only times we're not conscious of what we're standing on is when we're asleep or something like that right um but that still gets to my point is that like the the most basic of consciousness is just an awareness of where you are right and then as you get beyond that you have a consciousness even of your you have an awareness of yourself this is why people you know some some scientists are, are wondering like okay which animals are conscious are they all conscious or just some of them have some levels of consciousness right because maybe an important part of consciousness is having a, an idea of the self because an animal might be you know kind of quote unquote aware of the environment but if they don't have an, a, a, an idea of the self they don't realize that you know there's a difference between you know themselves and the, the environment kind of just running on instinct and you don't have to they don't get to sit back and, and think about okay if i do something if i if i do this then this other thing will happen right it's not really clear which animals can can think on that level but nonetheless somewhere along the line we became an animal and which was able to think like that and so we should utilize that right so we're on this ground when you look out you see objects, right? You see things that are not you, <laughs> right? In order to be more conscious of those things, what do you do? Like, how, how do you become aware of those things? How do you become knowledgeable of those things? Well, you have to go look at the thing and say, okay, what is that? <laughs> All right, so you have different ways of, of figuring out what that is. You go out and touch it. You go and try to talk to it. You can try to lick it. You can try to, you know, do all these different things, you know, to figure out what that is. In my case, I'm looking at trees, all right, and cars, and houses, and all this other stuff. You might be looking at things on your desk, at people around you. But in order for us to grow our conscious, our consciousness, or become more aware of the environment in which we're in, we have to question. We have to be curious. We have to explore. We have to gain knowledge of this environment. Right? And then, you can now, I mean, it doesn't have to be in a specific order, really. But at some point, we can figure out connections between things. We can figure out, okay, you know, how does this object relate to that object? Like, these objects look, the, look similar. Are they the same? Are they the same type of object? All right? These trees, 
In my case, I see two trees, or I see a bunch of trees, but two of them look fairly similar. But another one that's nearby, that's right next to this other tree, looks different. Looks thinner and has, looks like it has different bark and different leaves. Right? So I can conclude, at least very roughly, that this is probably a different type of tree. So now I've learned something. I've learned that there's, you know, not all, not all trees are the same. <laughs> Some trees, you know, look different. Some trees um, grow differently. Some trees can be broader or thinner or whatever. Taller, shorter, have different leaves, you know, all that stuff. And so I can, I can ask more from there. I can say, okay, how... Sorry. How do these trees, you know, relate to each other? You know, what can I do with this tree? Right? At some point, people had to realize that they can cut down a tree and then use the wood to make fire or to make, you know, furniture, housing, whatever. And that... Think about that, right? The first people to, to, to think about this sort of thing had to look into the environment. Maybe they saw a downed tree, right? Maybe they saw a tree that fell over and they saw it and they realized, oh, wow, if I could if I stand under here, right? It feels better than if I'm, like, outside, you know, if I didn't stand under the tree. Maybe they realized they can sit on this thing. It was like, oh, that's pretty nice. <laughs> you know, so you had, to, you had to discover, right? You had to explore, so I, I hope you see where I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to with this. But to continue, as, a con as conscious beings, in order to learn more about our environment and our world and ourselves, we have to be curious, we have to ask these questions, we have to keep on exploring, right? And the trick here too, is to con keep, con keep doing it. Because at any point, we can just stop. You can just say, okay, that tree is a tree, and that's it. Right? And then we'll never know that you can turn that tree into different things. Same thing for cutting down trees. We can just say, oh, cutting down trees is good. We can use that for fire and all this other stuff. But then you cut down a whole forest. And then, <laughs> you know, that area becomes barren, and, you know, all the soil gets withered away and gets dried out and all this other stuff. Now you're stuck. You built this, this town out of these trees... But now your resources are gone. You can't find any more food. Right? And if you don't figure out how you got there or what's going on, you can never, you know, learn from there. You're just going to probably die out right there. If you don't move, you're going to die out right there. And so the people who we, you know, descend from had to be endlessly curious. Had to keep on learning, at least enough to get to a point where they were, <laughs> they were able to, you know, bear children. And those children were able to bear more later on down the line. But the fact is that if you stop, especially too early, you can easily <laughs> do things that will bring you to a point of disaster. Right? If you become too, um, what's the term? Goodness. God damn it. You probably know what I'm thinking about, but if you become too stuck, right? too content I guess it's not quite the word but if you become too content with where you are and just stop asking questions stop discovering things stop you know trying to learn more about where you are and what's going on then problems will happen and then you will not be equipped with the knowledge or the awareness the options 
of how to fix those problems, how to solve those problems. In fact, that's a huge part of being intelligent, right? It's solving problems. Using your, your awareness to, you know, observe the environment, to observe the, 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 the uh, scope of, problem, of the problem, and figure out, okay, what options do you have to solve these problems? So similar to the trees, in order to solve a problem, I have to look at you know the difference between that and this. I have to look at the difference between this part of the problem and that part of the problem. And realize that, okay, this part is actually different than that part. Alright, this tree is different than that tree. And so that might require a different you know, approach to solving this problem than if I just assumed that all trees were the same. <laughs> Right? If I want to grow my own plants, I can't just assume that all plants are the same. I have to realize that some plants are different. Many plants are different, in fact. And in order to grow that plant, I'm going to have to need different soils, different amount of water, different amount of sunlight, different amount of nutrients, so on and so forth. Same thing for solving problems. We have to be aware of you know, how these different components of the problem arise. And so I, I really hope I've, I've kind of made it very obvious and very clear that in order to solve these huge problems that we have today with things like climate change and um, societal, you know, unrest and stuff like this, we can't be afraid to think about these problems. We can't sit back and say, oh, somebody else will solve it. Oh, there's no, there's no, there's nothing I can do. Oh, there's, there's, you know... The problem doesn't exist, right? We can't we can't sit back and and just do that because that that makes us less conscious. That makes us that moves us away from the solid ground of consciousness of of being aware and being curious and being you know look, searching for 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 knowledge and all this other stuff and puts us into that unshaky ground of just assuming that you know what you what you see what you know is all that there is and you know that's that's where you you're comfortable with. A better strategy is to question things. Is that, okay, climate change, okay, what's going on here, right? Flooding, um, you know, heat waves, you know, uh, uh, extinction of animals and all this other stuff. You begin to put together, you know, an understanding of the environment of climate change, of what that entails. And yes, that may be very complicated, maybe a lot going on. Like I said before, you can use other tools, right? So maybe you didn't, you know, know the difference between all these trees, but somebody, you noticed somebody was, you know, in this forest this whole time, you know, documenting these different trees and all this other stuff. So now you can use them. Say, hey, what's the difference between these trees here? And so now you can look at their, their information and you can say, oh, wow, okay, that tree's different, that tree's different. And, in, in, and at any point, if you don't believe them, Guess what? You can verify. <laughs> this is the that's this is what makes science so good, right? It's not that all oh, it's some some smart people are are doing these complicated stuff and you just have to trust them. No, that's not what science is. Science is a method of learning, of discovering what's going on in your environment. So if you're if your idea of science is just that oh trust these people, that's not science. <laughs> You don't trust science. 
Science is a process that anyone can do. Well, unfortunately, in our current society, not anyone can do it because that's another problem with our society, right? Is that we, we've set up these barriers to say, okay, you, don't, you can't afford you know, to utilize the same tools that this scientist or that scientist used. But nonetheless, you can do the best you can, right? And that's another part of the problem that you could put on the table. Is realizing that somebody has, has tried to limit your ability to verify. Your ability to figure out what's going on in the world. That's another huge component of the problem that you can actually become aware of and that you can utilize now to figure out how to solve that problem. But anyways, you have this person in the, in the, in the forest who's documenting all these trees and saying, okay, this tree is different, this tree is different, this is how they grow, this is whatever. So now you can look at their, their information and say, okay, wow, I can do something with this. They say, okay, they might, they might say, hey, if you cut down these, these trees, you're going to have these, you know, really terrible <laughs> disasters happen. All right. And here's why. So now you can follow along with their knowledge. And if you don't believe them and do it, then boom, you have a disaster. Right. But if you don't believe them, but then you try to verify and say, okay, how, how can I, how can I test this? And they say, okay, do these steps. So you do those steps and boom, you realize that they're right. <laughs> right. And so this is the, the importance. Yes, this is a very, very simplified you know, example here. But nonetheless, this is something that we can do to this day with climate change and all these other things. People, these, these scientists who are in these areas are studying these things for a long period of time can say, okay, this is what happens, this is what happens, blah, blah, blah. And if you don't believe them, then try to verify them. Not based on what you think, you know, should happen because again, we have this very easy bias where we can say, okay, that's a tree and I think all trees look the same. I'm just going to believe that, right? And I'm going to verify this by saying that tree and that tree, um, they look the same because they're brown, <laughs> right? You might not be using, utilizing a, a method of, of learning things that actually allows you to learn things, right? Because you, you're instead trying to confirm your own view of the world, regardless of whether that, that view is accurate. Right? You can look at a tree and say, okay, that tree and that tree, they're brown, so they must be the same tree. But somebody else will say, no, no. You, you see the, the bark here, the texture is different, right? The width is different. The roots are different. The leaves are different. But if you don't want to believe them, you just say, no, no, they're, they're the same because they're both green. The leaves are the same because they're green. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> that's not really helping you to become aware, become more conscious of reality. You're just lying to yourself. So, in order for you to test things, you have to utilize the same test methods of other people that have come before you, or, or that have, or that have greater knowledge, or that have this better story, right? And if you can't test this, then you can also utilize their predictions, because that's another big part of science, right? Hey, <laughs> meaning for this to turn into a science podcast, but I do think science is like pretty much one of the best tools maybe even the best tool that we have developed as a, as a, as a species to become more cautious right and there are many flaws with science don't get me wrong like as I've been reading Hegel something I've been seeing is that you know 
today we have the separation of philosophy and science. So thinking that philosophy is not a science is just some, you know, thing that people can use to to talk about complex things or whatever, or or unreal things that are not real or not not practical. But Hegel, you know, puts forth some very great, you know, um, and I'm just in the intro, but he still puts forth some very very great ideas that that philosophy is a science. And I think in his day, it very much was. And there were other elements of science that, not like the natural sciences, that were just, you know, a part of the, the total idea of science and philosophy. And so he was saying that in order to even have real philosophy, you have to create a, a foundation of knowledge that you can, you know, basically test and verify. You can, we call it the dialectic. You can say, okay, this is what something is, this is what it's not, and let's see how they, you know, come back to each other. You know, that's just one method of doing it. You can do all these other methods to verify, you know, your what you think is, is reality or, or real or whatever. So all that to say that, <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, science is, is a huge part of being more conscious, but also looping back in the philosophy of it, right? And the philosophy is, once again, not just taking things at face value. Because a, a huge problem with science today is that people are too narrow, right? They say, okay, they just look at these trees and say, okay, all of reality is, is like these trees. <laughs> you know, reality grows and there's, there's you know, um, sugars that come in, blah, blah, blah. So you see the world from the perspective of, you know, these trees. And you say, okay, this is this is what reality must be like because that's what you've been studying. Um, software engineers do this all the time. Computer scientists, physicists, you know, mathematicians, biologists, right? They they, they are so deep into into their field of study that they then begin to see the rest of the world from you know their their field of study. They try to describe the world in that way, but really, there's the world is far more vast than any one field of study. A field of study is just being able to look at this this tree and go as deeply as you can into that tree and then look at that tree and then go as deeply as you can into figuring out how that tree works but if you just go as deep as you can to these different trees into figuring out how those work then you might never realize that there's similarities here right or that these trees relate or that there's some key differences but also some key you know similarities between them and that they there's some key interactions between them, right? And this is what happens with, like, a lot of these sciences, that people go a little bit too deeply into, okay, this one thing, and this one thing over here, and this one thing over there. And they don't realize that there's some deep interactions between these things. And in reality, there's no real separation, but we can only, ourselves, are currently only become conscious of, you know, one thing at a time or a set limit of things. And so it's very difficult for us to, you know, make all these inferences and interactions and so on and so forth. But I'm all over the place. So sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I want to kind of close. I don't want to close this. Cause I feel like I didn't really come to a good conclusion here. <laughs> um, but it's, it's getting that time. I need to get to work. So I guess I'll close it here by saying I'll definitely come back to this, but I hope that 
I've introduced some ways of thinking about the world that enables you to to question more about the society that we live in and to not be afraid to question it and to not be afraid to you know figure out what's going on and to when when you think you you reach some conclusion or some you know what you think to be true realize that you're probably you probably have some elements that are still wrong about it and so that's okay right the important thing is that you keep figuring out you keep discovering you keep you know expanding your consciousness you keep expanding your field of awareness of 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 um your understanding of how things relate and how things you know your options therein so as we figure out how to solve these huge problems right you have to be open to different ideas than what you thought was available to you before once again if you're looking at these different trees and you're saying oh you know there's nothing we can do after all these trees are cut down but then you know there's other people who are saying hey um, you can you know grow these trees in a different way or you can you know um, you can build your own own city you can adjust your own city to you know um, produce more water or to replant you know different things or to you know minimize how you how you build your own homes right like maybe you don't need <laughs> you know these these giant homes made of all these tree parts maybe you only need a smaller room and then the rest could be a common area where you can share with other people and this would actually be a very enjoyable way of living because this that and the other right so mm -hmm. if you don't if you just dismiss that whole idea because you don't like the idea of having a smaller home or <laughs> you know something like that then uh, you're very much leaving yourself to die in this disaster right you're you're leaving options you're pushing options off the table when really you need to be putting more options on and i think that's a huge problem of today is that many people do have ideas for how to come back or adapt to this problem and how to begin fixing these problems as well to adapt and you know fix but Many other people are just dismissing these these ideas, just saying, "Oh no, it's not realistic. It's not practical. It's not, you know, whatever." But they're not actually verifying. They're not actually, you know, <laughs> doing these tests. They're not actually thinking about them. They just dismiss them. They're just throwing up some some uh, um, smoke and saying, "Oh yeah, I, I I thought about them, or really somebody else thought for me, and uh, they said, you know, it's not practical." So whatever <laughs> but that's not how you become more conscious if you want to become more conscious you you want to be more aware of the environment the options you have for you if you believe in free will then you have to give yourself more will to use right you have to give yourself more freedom and in general and to do that you have to be more open to different options that you didn't think that you didn't actually think about quite frankly so yeah like we have to be more open to, to realizing that there's there's probably going to be things that we have to do that are uncomfortable but are not necessarily bad things right and if we just assume they're bad things but not actually you know look at what people are saying about it, look at what the actual knowledge base of that thing is then we're never going to solve these problems we're never going to be able to adapt we're never going to be able to you know avoid this disaster
so yeah um 10 seconds so i gotta end it <laughs> um thank you as always for listening you know what i'm not gonna end it I'm not gonna end it this time is rushing is, is, is rushing me and i don't like it <laughs> i really need to do these segments like i did the last episode that helps with uh keeping more track of time or not feeling rushed at the end there but yeah i think i think we need to as a as a people right the main paradigm shift that we need to come to is that there are many many things that we can be doing we have to be open to those options to not just having those options done upon us but to exploring them ourselves right like these big some of these major options are you know um building our own you know local uh resources our local uh, local um system for us to you know feed ourselves and things like that right not just a garden like like some personal garden but a communal garden right a communal food forest right and a food forest is essentially a way for you to like a a garden that's less maintenance and it's more of an ecosystem right where oh excuse me goodness <laughs> i got the gas i don't know what's going on um but yeah there's there's you can build a food forest where there's things that are growing different times of year different things are growing at different times of year and the the at some point you get to a point where the the, the food forest can sustain itself right by being in actual ecosystem with some water supplies animals coming in and you know spreading pollen or whatever that needs to be done and um this that and the other i won't go too much into it because you can just look it up yourself but nonetheless this is a major idea there right another idea of you know using more mass transit instead of these individualist cars and vehicles right like <laughs> realizing, realizing that automotive or or um self-driving cars is not the only future it's not the only way out of you know bad traffic there's actually way way more options out there like you know having more um public transit options having more walkability having more bike bike paths having uh, redesigning your city so that it's you know it gives more options for people to get from point a to point b than just driving a car right um some more ideas for living is that we don't just have to live in these single single occupancy housing or single family housing right we, we don't have to have huge neighborhoods where it's nothing but a bunch of single family homes and then you have to drive five ten minutes to get to a store instead you can have these intimate communities where there are a mix of different housing units right some of some of them are multifamily, like duplexes or triplexes or even quadplexes and you have some low-rise housing. You can have even some mid-rise apartments, right? But you have all of this in the same area. And then you have nearby mom-and-pop shops. You have, you know, um, all these things in a close distance that you can just walk to, right? So that becomes a, a environment that benefits on so many levels, right? Like, we have so many ideas for how to do better, <laughs> right? In terms of economy and uh politics or decision making things like that it's not just you know having some um autocratic people some oligarch oligarchic group you know making the most decisions it's realizing that we can utilize a consensus model or something like that where people 
can make choices for their own intimate community where instead of you know the the country or entire federal organization or state or you know whatever having a country you know having a last say or even instead of just your state having the last say about what is you know available what options people have what's the quote-unquote legal in your area instead your community group you know figures out what's legal what your community group figures out what you're what you're going to be doing right you can figure out where your money is going within your own physical community and that community is a group of people that you actually want to live with it's like your friends <laughs> people that you you like and you think you know are cool folks and you want to support them right that's what a community is it's not just some nebulous you know neighborhood or some nebulous country or you know something like that because you don't know most of the people in their, your country or your state or even your city you don't know who they are you don't really care about them right maybe even if you're the most you know um hippy dippy person you say i love everybody i love everybody the same you don't know everybody <laughs> Right, so it's almost a vacuous statement is just saying, oh, I love everybody. Everybody's my, my friend. But you don't actually know who that is. You, if I point to that person, what's their name? What do they want out of life, you know? <laughs> Have you talked to them recently? Like, if you can't say yes to all of these things, then no, you don't really love them. Maybe you might love the idea of them. You might love the, 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 uh, the fact that they're human or something like that. But you don't know. You don't love them. And that's really... An important aspect of, of building these communities is realizing that, you know, in order to build a better world, we have to build more intimate communities in which we actually care for the people in our space. Right. And what that love is, is wanting to help this person grow, that person grow, that other person. And they in turn can help you grow to become a better person. It's not, you know, love is not saying I know what's best for you. You're going to you know, do this. Right? It's not like, oh, I'm, I'm doing this because I love you and therefore you've got to do what I say. Like, no, it's listening to what they want. <laughs> and if you think they're, they, what they want is wrong, then you have to, you know, go through that scientific process. You don't want to call it science, just call it, you know, actual loving. <laughs> it's looking at being aware of what they want and say, okay, let's predict, you know, what might happen if you get there. You know? What is, what is the actual difference between what you think you want and what, you know, what's going to happen and so on and so forth. Like there, there are so many ways in which we can better show love in our current society. And I think a big part of building this better world is, is, is going more towards that space of showing better love and really building better communities and, and all that. And another big part of this, right, because people will say, oh, it's not not all to communities what if you know some people want to you know raid other people or something like this right <laughs> we have to realize that a big part of that is making it really hard to, to do those things right if every community has their own say so um you can build a federation of communities and say okay if somebody does raid us right then we're going to band together against them right and it has been very powerful for a very long period of time and we have to also look into history and see, you know, how did, you know, these, these changes happen? Because we, we, we look into history, we realize that it wasn't, it wasn't some 
constant warring and all this other stuff like people say oh war has always been there but no we actually look into the archaeological history and you see that war actually just developed fairly recently in terms of human development right human evolution or human society human history right it's only what 10 to 12,000 years old versus 150 200,000 years of human history like it's 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 pretty crazy um yes there were violence and battles but it wasn't the same as you know these nationwide wars and where you have this community um, attacking another community like you didn't really have that so you have to ask why and what do we do about that right how do we create our society today with our um, crazy technology that can you know enable this sort of thing how can we take uh, how can we create technologies that make it harder to do war right instead of having these technologies where we race to the to see who can make the biggest guns, the biggest bombs. How can we create the biggest shields, <laughs> right? How can we create, you know, the most defensive technology or the most, you know, um, um, restorative technology even, right? <laughs> so even if somebody if somebody's bombed and I could just come back to life because I uploaded my consciousness or some crazy thing, like we can be way, we can have way more options on the table than just big, building the biggest bombs and, and weapons, Right, in order for in order for us to protect ourselves against, you know, um, very violent folks. So either way you think about it, being more aware of your options, being more aware of the environment, being more curious, you know, figuring out how we can do better, how we can grow, how we can you know figure out how the world works and stuff like that. All of that is is super important, man, and I, I just. I just hope we can do more of that and I hope you know people who are listening to this can see what I mean there and spread the message. And if you don't if you don't believe, if you disagree, then let's have that dialectic, that conversation that <laughs> you know, let's, that verify. Uh, let's let's verify this. Um but yeah, I'll end it there for for all. Feel like this is a better place to conclude for now <laughs> so as always yeah thanks for listening it's long ass podcasts and um audio journals or whatever and uh don't be afraid to be radical don't be afraid to be revolutionary keep being awesome all that good stuff and let me know as always what you think i'd love to have more conversations about this with other folks so hit me up um and yeah if you're listening to this in 100 years let me know how the 22nd century went probably there'll probably be some some upload of my consciousness somewhere <laughs> uh if you listen to this a thousand years let me know if if humanity still exists if you listen to this in a million years somehow some way <laughs> hit me up i'm probably out there in the universe somewhere i don't know <laughs> um a billion years a trillion years let's 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 go bro Somebody's listening to this in the trillion years from now. I know, I know, it's it's amazing. It's probably crazy. Um, but <laughs> yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Have a great day. See ya. Bye bye.